Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. Today's page is page 893. He was taller than Quoth and his fists were broad knots of scar and knuckle. Right, Cully, he said, dark satisfaction in his voice. You're getting a kicking now. He snapped out a quick punch, but Quoth stepped aside and kicked out sharply, hitting the soldier just above the knee. The bearded man grunted in surprise, stumbling slightly. Then Quoth stepped close, caught the bearded man's shoulder, gripped his wrist, and twisted his outstretched arm at an awkward angle. The big man was forced to bend over, grimacing in pain. Then he jerked his arm roughly out of the innkeeper's grip. Quoth had half a moment to look startled before the soldier's elbow caught him in the temple. The innkeeper staggered backward, trying to gain a little distance and a moment to clear his head. But the soldier followed close after him, fist raised, waiting for an opening. Before Quoth could regain his balance, the soldier stepped close and drove a fist hard into his gut. The innkeeper let out a pained huff of air, and as he started to double over, the soldier swung his other fist into the side of the innkeeper's face, snapping Quoth's head to the side and sending him reeling. Quoth managed to keep his feet by grabbing a nearby table for support. Blinking, he threw a wild punch to keep the bearded man at a distance. But the soldier merely brushed it aside and caught hold of the innkeeper's wrist in one huge hand, easy as a father might grab hold of a wayward child in the street. Blood running down the side of his face, Quoth struggled to free his wrist. Dazed, he made a quick motion with both hands, then repeated it, trying to pull away. His eyes half-focused and dull with confusion, he looked down at his wrist and made the motion again, but his hands merely scrabbled uselessly at the soldier's scarred fist. The bearded soldier eyed the stupefied innkeeper with amused curiosity, then reached out and slapped him hard on the side of the head. You're almost a bit of a scrapper, boy, he said. You actually stuck one on me. Behind them, the blonde soldier was slowly getting to his feet. Little bastard sucker punched me. The big soldier yanked the innkeeper's wrist, so he stumbled forward. Say you're sorry, Cully. The innkeeper blinked blearily, opened his mouth as if he were about to speak, then staggered. Or rather, he seemed to stagger. Halfway through, the stumbling motion became deliberate. Halfway through, the stumbling motion became deliberate, and the innkeeper stomped down hard with the heel of his foot, aiming at the soldier's boot. At the same time, he snapped his forehead down at the bearded man's nose. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Hands! Hands. Lots of hands on this page. Also, the switchback between Quoth and the innkeeper is really interesting. When they choose to use Quoth and when they choose to use the innkeeper. Because at the very beginning of the page, it's the Quoth is doing a lot of like the 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 reaction, and the innkeeper is is like like getting the, the blows. Yeah, and after, as soon as he gets hit, he becomes the innkeeper. Actually, that's not true because he gets hit and then he's the innkeeper. Let her and then, and then he sw- they switch back and forth. And then he a goes back times. to both. Yeah, yeah, and I think that like if you think about like where he's being called both and where he's being called the innkeeper. Uh, Quoth is doing Quothy things. Like Quoth, uh, like catches where he he stumbled a bit, but then he caught himself. That's a that's a Quothy thing. Although there is one one part where like he gets hit. Quoth gets hit. Yeah. Um, his, well, his fist swings into the other side of the innkeeper's face, snapping Quoth's head to the yeah, side. And, and at that point, it feels like uh, Quoth as well as the innkeeper are both failing. Mm. Quoth um, had half a moment to look startled before the soldier's elbow caught him in the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I really do just think this is a case of not wanting to repeat the character's name a thousand times. Okay, I have a crackpot theory. (laughs) Of course you do. Get away. Okay, so I think that, like, 
the personalities, I guess, or like the skill sets of both Quoth and the innkeeper are in uh, like the, the body. Um, and they are like fighting against each other. Like they're there and then they're not there. Like they're kind of, you know, like he's turning back and forth into different people. Um, I'm trying to think of like a, it's like Sailor Moon and Serena, okay? <laughs> it's like Sailor Moon, who has all the powers and can use the magic wand, is uh, is like kind of there. But then she keeps turning back into Serena, and she has to keep turning back and forth. And Serena doesn't have any powers? Uh, well, Serena, she can't use the magic wand until she's transformed, generally. So it's not a Superman situation where she always has the powers. Well, she always has the powers as long as she transforms. <laughs> I see. But it's not like when she's in disguise. When she's in disguise, she has to transform. She's- it's like if Superman yeah. had to go put on the tights in order to like ha- have superpowers. Yeah, my, Iron Man's well, getting into the Iron Man. Suit. I'm sure that someone might argue that like she has the Sailor Moon powers all the time, but I've never, I, I cannot recall a well, time let's, let's when argue. she's using the let's powers that, without yeah. the outfit on. You take the position of she has the powers all the time, and I'll actually no, I'll take that position. You take the position of she doesn't have the powers all the well, time. Well, we take a position about this page because this is an interesting structural mirroring about. Uh, with the previous book at the end of the previous book he tries to do some sympathy and it doesn't work and it's it's kind of a letdown and he's kind of disappointed by it um and similarly here he tries to use the martial arts skills that we've just seen him learn specifically Specifically, he tries to use use break line special version (laughs) of break line that the little girl taught him and his hands betray him right it's almost like to your point about his hands, he tries it like two or three times and he looks at his hands like, why aren't you cooperating with me? And like, here's the thing. The loss of his ability to do magic could be, is a lot easier to explain by like, oh, he's like lost the ability to, to like use his alar, or he's like lost the specific knowledge of how to access that kind of magic. But it's like, it's sort of easier for me to think of like fantasy, wibbly wobbly fantasy reasons why he wouldn't be able to use a kind of magical skill set. It's a lot more puzzling, I think, and I think that this is meant to raise a question in the reader, like, how could you lose a physical skill set like that? You know? I suppose you could be out of practice, but the fact that he looks at his hands as if they betrayed him, I think, lends credence to the theory, mm-hmm. which I have not been a proponent of. Like, there's a big theory, I think we've said this many times, that, like, there's literally something wrong with his hands. They don't work anymore. They, his proprioception is bad. Something about them. I was not really a proponent of that until I read this, because I think you're right, Jeremy, that it, there's something, it's hard to explain. And the way that he like is surprised that his hands aren't cooperating and their the attention is called to them. Mm-hmm. I think that means something. Although it's not, to be clear, it's not just his hands that betray him. Because uh, one of the other things that I think really resonates with me in this scene is how pathetic and sad it is. Like, it's it's a real letdown as a fan of this character. You're like, oh man, I can't wait for Quoth to show these bandits what for. And they kick the shit out of him. And he, you know, he really tries. He tries to like get get his shit together and and kick him right back. And every time he tries something new, um, he like fails at it. Well, I think that's where he gives up. I think when he tries no. the break lion. No, I'm here to tell you that the literal next page is him trying something like at the last line on this page is at the same time he snapped his forehead down at the bearded man's nose. He's like, he's tricked him, right? He's pretended that he's given up. And then he goes, aha, I'm going to try something on you. And then that doesn't work either. And then he really gets the crap kicked out of him. 
Um, and like, it's just like, it's, it's like really heartbreaking to me because we're like so used to seeing this guy come out on top and, you know, unlike failing to do your magic trick, the stakes of that were pretty low. And like, it was like a bummer, but it was like, well, whatever, Quoth, you can try again another day. But no, now he's failed something and these guys are going to take him to the cleaners. Remind me, what was the context of that? There was like another thing where he was threatened, right? And he was like trying to set alcohol on fire. Oh, it was when they were fighting the like... Oh, the, right, the, the skin ghoul. changer. Yeah, He yeah, tries yeah, yeah. to use sympathy to set something in the bar on fire and it doesn't work. Right. So yeah, another piece of uh, big stakes. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, the stakes were big and it was disappointing. But, you know... Bast was there to save the day, right? You know, together. Nope, continue. Finish your thought. I'm about to make a joke. No, make your joke because I'm finished my thought. See, personally, you guys say big stakes, but I'm a fan of filet mignon. That's a good joke. joke. (laughs) Uh, Listener, let the record show that I'm moving that Jordana be stricken from the podcast. No, no, no. Disagree. Vote it down. That's a solid joke, Uh, Jordana. Do agree? Yep. Yep, so we have a quorum. Uh, therefore, Jeremy, you are the one who was stricken from the podcast. <laughs> you, you can't do this to me. I was here at the start. I am this podcast. <laughs> you know how much I sacrificed? <laughs> oh, mercy. Yeah. Hours mm-hmm. of our free time? That's right. <laughs> should have ordered a bigger steak. I'll, I'll get my revenge and disintegrate Jordana later on. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about on this one? There's a great... Like the, the real culmination of this is on the next page. And so I we could speak to it a little. There's a few opportunities for him to like I now we'll we'll save it for tomorrow. Mm. Do we have time for a mail or no? Sure. Although uh, gender is a construct. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> With an I, not an L E. Assigned mail podcast at birth. Assigned <laughs> letter at birth. Yeah. Uh, this is a letter from Kelsey who writes on page eight seventy-nine and endings. Dear Pagers, when I first started listening to the podcast back in my optimistic and naive youth, I still assumed and hoped the series might have a happy ending. You all very quickly had me bracing myself for tragedy. But with the recent excellent analysis and supporting text about Quoth's anger and dangerous amassing of power, I'm starting to get a niggling feeling that we might even be headed for an almost horror direction, a much more direct parallel to The Princess and Mr. Wiffle. This leads me to a final and surely unoriginal crackpot. Apologies if I just missed its mention on the show. What if Cote isn't in hiding, but has been sent into the middle of nowhere to protect the world? What if his Cathay touch, presumably Chandranoid and Namer powers, all built him into a nightmarish threat? Could Elodin or Auri have renamed him to try to remove the Quoth thread from this iteration of the story? Are the interludes showing him regaining his powers? Lots of love from Switzerland, signed Kelsey. Okay, but then why is Bass there? Because Bast, maybe Bast is an agent of evil um, who wants to unleash Quoth into the world. Yeah, we don't Al- know Bast's actual motivation. Although, I, I mean, that doesn't really make sense because Bast is so terrified of the Cathay. But it would be a delightful, like, first of all, backing up a little bit, listener, I really like this idea. I don't know if I think it's true, but it is a great idea if, like, the, this whole time Quoth has been banished by wiser people than he, and he is kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know what, maybe I am too dangerous to be out in the world. Maybe I do just need to live a quiet life. Or maybe he doesn't totally understand it. Yeah. But, but I can see the, like the dramatic tension being, I know on some level that I shouldn't be out there with all, like I'm too reckless with this power I have, but the boredom and the temptation to use it becoming so irresistible and him telling the story of his life 
and Bast kind of egging him on because Bast doesn't care if people are irresponsible. Bast is irresponsible. You know, maybe Bast isn't really bothered by it, but maybe, and Bast isn't thinking through, oh no, what if this is all part of the, like the Cathay's plot? What if this is, Bast doesn't care. He just wants his his Reshi back. That is all a very compelling theory, I think. At the same time, I personally don't think that this story is going to have like a really like dark horror ending like Mr. Wiffle does. I do think it is going to have a bittersweet melancholy ending. Melancholy is really to me like the tone of the the frame narrative and I kind of think that wherever this book ends up that's sort of where it's going to be. I think even though what I want in my heart of hearts is for Quoth to return to the world a triumphant hero and save everything and right all the wrongs, I don't think that's where we're headed. But I also don't think that where we're headed is Quoth's uh, villain era. I don't think he's about to pull a Sauron. Co-hosts? I I dare not uh, query where Quoth is headed. I am happy to sit on the fence and wait. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Will the mic pick that up? I guess we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I had to look up how the Princess and Mr. Whipple ended. I didn't remember. Mm. Yeah, but um, I, for context, do you want to tell our listeners? I'm going to tell our listeners to refer to the Patreon episode in which we read and discuss the princess and Mr. Wiffle as a synecdoche for Rothfuss's work, a thing that he himself has said, like, this is what I'm doing in all my work, the same thing. I don't remember having that conversation. Listeners, I guess I'm going to have to subscribe to our very own Patreon in order to listen to it. You, you mean you don't already? Well, you know, I mean... I'm I'm so so busy. Uh, uh, and Wait, I, exactly. What would be the point of us paying into our own Patreon? Well, no, I was doing a bit wherein I was taking the role of the freeloading listener. Oh, uh, <laughs> I just I just don't have a dollar a month to spend on these hardworking podcasters. I don't want to listen to many uh, February's worth of episodes of Jordana getting very red in the face. The thing you can definitely see <laughs> through the medium of podcasts. That's right. So listener, if like Jordana, you've been on the fence about subscribing, why don't you just go right now? We'll wait. This is a call to action. Don't wait till the end of the podcast. Don't say I'll do it later. Don't say, you know what? That's a great idea. When I get home after I finish this drive, I will yeah. uh, subscribe. Are, are no. you suggesting that people while driving yeah, put yeah. the steering wheel between your knees <laughs> and right. pick up your phone and subscribe oh to our Patreon? Yeah, right now. Do it right now. Uh, it's great. You're going to get lots of great extra content, including all the old content, including that uh, that conversation I don't remember having. We had, that was like year one or year two where we did that. Um, oh, real heads will know. It doesn't feel that long ago to my mind. But yeah, but it was like five or six years ago now. What is time? Um, and listeners, if you subscribe, if you act now and subscribe to our Patreon, you will be able to hear our Jordanida Day Spectacular coming this July the 1st. That's right. In which we and every other Jordananian celebrate Jordanida Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I think it's better than Canada Day. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> Canada is three pipeline companies in a trench coat. Yeah, we don't yeah. celebrate <laughs> nationalist holidays on this podcast, but we do celebrate each other. Yay! Yeah. We're so, friends. listeners, you can join the celebration for the low, low price of as little as one American dollar a month. Mm-hmm. Would you rather drink coffee? Would you rather have a cup of coffee a day? I mean, that's like I mean, one fifth of the coffee yeah, now. Yeah, I was say, coffee is definitely more than a dollar. That's coffee. right. That's right. You... Bastard. <laughs> For one-fifth of your Starbucks order, <laughs> you could get us each one-fifteenth of a Starbucks order. 
Yeah, and then also uh, the middleman fees that uh, go to Patreon. You <laughs> yeah, can that's give, right. Give them their Starbucks order. Starbucks for all. Mm-hmm. The real, the real. That's uh, the real message of this podcast. Yeah, the real winner of this is that is Starbucks, <laughs> and we're all going to go out for Starbucks together on tomorrow's page. Oh. That's right, delicious Starbucks, fair trade coffee at fair trade prices. <laughs> They're unique busting assholes. Don't buy from them. Yeah. The win. <laughs> <laughs>